Hello and welcome to the Mordinary Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Meredith. And we are the Moors. We are ordinary people who have experienced more than ordinary circumstances. Settle in as we discuss ordinary life and its extraordinary potential. So you are joining us today in episode five of the Mordinary Podcast, and this is actually episode number three of a series we are working through right now on the five stages of grief. The five stages of grief created by Elizabeth Kugler-Ross to talk about the stages of grief someone goes through. There's a few things we want to talk about about the stages of grief before we start into this month's topic. These stages were originally created to use as a guide as someone goes through the stages of grief from the perspective of the person dying. So she created this for a person going through the stages of death themselves. So that's something to keep in mind. What the psychology world has since discovered is that these stages can be applied to a, really any trauma, any time that someone's life gets thrown off course. So anytime someone's life gets thrown off course or someone experiences some sort of trauma or life-changing event, these stages can be used as a guide. Life-changing events that can be a multiple of things that, that, like you said, that affect your life in a way that's thrown you in a different course. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be job loss. It can be a loss of a friend, like just in because you moved and not because they passed away. Yeah. Sometimes that can be traumatic. Right. Like a divorce. A divorce. Perfect. That would be another one that would fall into this category of of the stages of grief. You have to grieve the marriage that you thought you had. And like Um, us, we had to grieve the death of the walking me. Yeah. We had to say goodbye to that that life that we thought we were going to have. So in these stages of grief, know that even though it may feel small compared to what the world says are big and what's small, know that they're all the same size if it's impacting you. Right. And that it's okay to say, I'm going through grief. Yeah. You know, I I actually was just listening to a podcast today where they talked about the person complained about not having shoes until he saw somebody that didn't have any feet. But I, I get what the person's trying to say by saying that, but it doesn't mean that the person that doesn't have any shoes isn't also going through a trial. Just because there's someone else that has something worse or someone else that has something different, we play this comparison game. Yeah. Oh, mine isn't as bad, so now I feel better. Or I shouldn't complain because someone has it worse than me. That right. doesn't mean that your trauma is any less important. Or that your pain is any less real, it's still trauma and it's still pain. So regardless of the size of the trauma, trauma's trauma and adversity is adversity. And exactly. I think that it's it's easy for us to play the comparison game and diminish our trauma. So we just want everybody to think, you know, regardless of your certain situation, a traumatic event is a traumatic event regardless of the size and the magnitude of it. Exactly. And then also another really important thing that we just wanted to say was that these stages don't always happen in this nice, clean, linear fashion of we go from the um, shock and denial and then we ease into a stage of anger and then we go to bargaining and then we go to depression and oh, we get to acceptance and then we're done. Yeah, and what we've been reading and studying is that psychiatrists are noticing that when she first made these stages, it is a little bit more linear when you're the one who's facing the terminal illness, Mm -hmm. where you will go through them in close to that particular order, but the spouse is the one that is going through it in all different 
times. Yeah. It, it's not as linear, maybe more circular, where they're kind of going in and out of things um, as they're grieving and, yeah. and facing life. And so I think for what we have experienced and the other circumstances that we said, like you said, are not a straight line. Right. So it's okay if you're like, gosh, I don't know if I went through that stage. And that's the other thing that we read is that sometimes you can skip a stage Mm -hmm. and not even go through it and that that's okay. You're still going through grief in a healthy way, but that you will do majority of them. Yeah. And, And sometimes you'll feel like a pinball where you're bouncing from bargaining back to anger. Now today I... I, I, I feel depressed and, and you might, you may feel like kind of a pinball bouncing around this, the, these stages and, and, and that's okay. And that's normal. There's nothing wrong with you by that. And then also, I'm sorry to say it, but there's really no finish line. You get to a point of acceptance, but it doesn't, doesn't mean you won't still have moments where you're angry or moments where you got kind of revisit these stages, maybe in a smaller in smaller quantities and sh- shorter time periods. You know, it won't be months or weeks, but maybe days or hours, or you may still experience these stages. And just because you're never fully recovered right. from a trauma, it will always be a part of you. It is. It is you. Yeah. The, it's your story. It's part of your story, and it's a badge that you're wearing, and I, I say wear it with pride. Yeah. And it's a, it's, you've survived something, and boy, if you do the work, you come out strong on the other side, and you, you've earned that badge. So, um, I think, so now we're going to start talking about bargaining now and let's start with, um, as if you guys have been listening, um, with us, you know, that the first stage was our denial and shock. And that was the, what just happened. Mm -hmm. The second stage that we just had our good friend Kendra on was why did this just happen? And that was the anger stage. And then today, what we're going to be talking about is the what if, and that's the bargaining stage that we're going to be talking about with you. Yeah. So we're going to talk about what that looked like um, in our lives. But first, the, the bargaining stage is the stage where we've now moved. Okay. Anger didn't work. This still didn't fix the problem. I was shocked and then I got angry and now I'm just trying to make order of this and I am getting desperate and I'm just trying to reach for anything I can to make some order of this. And that sometimes comes out in phrases like, yeah, I wish it was me and not them. If I could, I would give up X, Y, and Z if I could only have blank or if I do X, Y, and Z, will you please give me blank? These are the sometimes a a plea to God, God, if I just do X, Y, and Z for you, will you please do this for me? Or this negotiation we get into. But then also the wingman to bargaining is is, is guilt. So, and, and you'll hear this as we go on today, Meredith experienced more of the bargaining of it and I experienced more of the guilt. And we'll kind of go through how this stage looked for each of us and I think you'll, you'll you'll get something out of this today. So we want to start with Meredith and talk talk about what this stage looked like for you. Yeah, for me, it was that what if, for sure. Those questions just came through after I was just mad. And then now I'm thinking, what if he was working his shift that day? He wouldn't have gone over to his buddy's house. He wouldn't have got injured. What if 
there wasn't even a windstorm. And we all had a wonderful Sunday that day. <laughs> yep. Because it affected a lot of people in the Dayton area, not mm-hmm. just us. There were so many people in the hospital that that windstorm affected. What if that tree would have been cut down before the windstorm? Right. And that tree wasn't there to fall down. Right. And then the two big ones, um, I mean, those were big. But the two big ones for me after the accident were, what if he could start to regain back more feeling and movement? It wouldn't be as bad then. Mm-hmm. And what I want to kind of go on with that is just to kind of, maybe that makes sense to you guys of why I had the what if, but just to kind of give you an idea, because I've had conversations with people of where they don't understand spinal cord injuries. So I just kind of wanted to take a minute to kind of explain why that was such a big what if for me, not just for him to walk, but in spinal cord injury individuals, your level is a big deal. Like what level you are is like a very typical question of people with spinal cord injuries will ask each other because it gives a quick idea of what you've lost and what you have very quickly because literally there's like a a dividing line um, for most people. Other people, it, it can be hit or miss depending on the impact of the injury. Like for Johnny, he's what's called a complete. There's also what's called an incomplete, which means that they can regain a little bit more than a complete spinal cord injury. Or some of the signals are getting past that damaged part and some signals aren't. So you might have some some function, some loss of function, and it just be kind of chopped up. Yeah. But mine was very clean cut. His was clean cut um, because his spinal cord was actually severed almost completely by the bone. So he's a T12, if you guys want to know. You can see, you know, you, you spinal cord lingo there for you. He's a T12 paraplegic individual. And so what that means is that's belly button down. Johnny can't, can't feel, um, but he can move his hips, if that makes sense. So what people don't know is that also the organs that the nerves communicate to get also affected. So for Johnny, like his bladder is, inf- is affected. And so for him, that's a big deal for us. Not only do we have that he can't walk, he also has doesn't have that doesn't have that feeling of knowing when to go to the bathroom. So he has to keep a schedule. And if he gets off of that schedule, then he's really prone to having a urinary tract infection, which then is a big deal because then he can then has to go on antibiotics. But it usually is um, gotten a little bit farther along than an able-bodied person who can actually feel it. So it really makes him sick. So it's kind of like this burden that he has to carry all the time and be on top of. And and so for me, that's what I kind of would love for him to regain. I know you guys are thinking I probably was praying for his legs, but it it was his bladder. Um, And so, so many, we've met a couple other couples that are in our same situation and they say the same thing. Like, gosh, if the bladder could just come back, that would solve so many issues. That's kind of where my what ifs were going after just being mad about the whole situation. It's like, okay, God, like, what if he could just have his bladder? Like, could he at least Mm -hmm. have that? Like, that would be awesome. Or like someone who loses somebody. If I could just have another day with them. Like these are all the questions people are asking. Sorry, I'm really mainly talking spinal cord injury. I know that's a smaller window of people. But um, yes, this can apply to any situation. 
where if you think, oh, I could just have this one little part though, mm -hmm. I could be better. But then here's the thing. You're going to want a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit more. If you give a moose a muffin. <laughs> yes, guys, come on. That it's, never, it's never enough. It's always, if I could just give have a this. a cookie. Yeah, if I could just have another day with that person. Well, we, if I could just have them back, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you kind of start going down this road that's yeah. very destructive. Yeah. And, and, and that's really what um, this whole stage is about. And, and for me, that did you have anything else to share? I had one more, um, if that's okay, guys. Sorry, I'm taking a lot of your time. Um, but my other one was that goes along with the injury, again, specifically for the spinal cord injury. But my what if was what if his fertility wasn't affected right away? That's another info for you guys, and maybe a lot of you already know this, that that's another thing that happens to spinal cord injuries, especially in men, is that um, it's shut down right away. The body, for some reason, just shuts that area down right away, and then you don't know the outcome until the body's kind of recovered a little bit. And so this will be a whole nother episode that we will talk to you guys about. I think we were honest at the very beginning that you guys will know fertility was another trauma for us that we had to go through that was linked to the to the first trauma mm -hmm. um, and kind of starts from there, that, uh, that story. So, my, of course, my what if goes to that. Well, and like you and I have talked about also, just we also sit and reflect even years later sometimes like what would holidays look like now like right now we're in the holiday season and we think what would holidays look like now if september 14th would have been different yeah and not that we you know we go into this bargaining oh i wish it was different because we in reality we we really love our life i mean we really do have a great life we're, we're really happy with where our life is right now but there's always that question you know what if you know that person yeah. it was still with us what what if we were still together what if I still had that job? You know, the, these little tiny things happen in our lives and they're like butterfly effect or he has these huge effects. Or and you're what like, if what if... A car accident didn't happen. Yeah, it's what if I situation. wouldn't have made that turn that day and that accident wouldn't have happened? What if, you know, what if I would have just asked them to do that and that would have kept them at the house a few more minutes longer and that event wouldn't have happened to them? That You know, you could do this all day long, do this bargaining of... And then that kind of segues into the guilt. And that's what I felt. I felt a lot of guilt. I chose to leave the house that day, get into my car, drive over to that house, and I chose to put myself in that situation. And I felt very early on this incredible feeling of guilt that I had not I had just given Meredith a life sentence. I have just hit so many people in my life with so much emotional shrapnel from this event. My mom, my sisters, my mother and father-in-law, my sister and brother-in-law, my, my friends who were there that day. I mean, the images they had to see and the positions that they had to be in. Like, I, I, I held on to all that myself and I felt so much guilt that I caused all that. I caused that pain. I caused that trauma. And I caused that for them. And which kind of went back to when we told you that story, when I climbed the stairs of our, of our house and got to the top level of our house. And I told Meredith, I don't blame you if you leave right now. Like I'm giving you a pass. If, if you, if you, I know you didn't sign up for this. I don't, I would, I'd understand if you left. That was the guilt. 
I didn't know at that time if I could, I don't know at that time if I knew if I could continue to watch her have to, in my eyes, put up with me, deal with my baggage. So there was just a lot of guilt for me. And I went through, you know, this whole stage of just seeing the people around me hurting and seeing people. And, and even today, sometimes I see people give me this look of all oh, this pity. And, and I'm like, I don't know what you're pitying about. I mean, in reality, I have a pretty good life. I mean, I've got two amazing kids, an amazing wife. We have a, a warm house to live in, a soft bed to sleep in, a job to go to every day. You know, like there are a lot of great things in my life, but if I allow it, I can get into that cycle mm-hmm. of guilt or in, in some cases bargaining. You can get into these cycles. And I think that's why Elizabeth Kugler-Ross put the stage of depression after bargaining. Yeah. Because you get into that cycle and get into that cycle of the what ifs or that guilt and that shame of I really messed up and this is all my fault and putting all that burden on yourself. At the end of the day, I was right where I felt God needed me to be that day. I had a friend that needed help and I went to help and I got hurt because of it. At the end of the day, no, I probably wouldn't do it again in hindsight, but we can't live in hindsight. No. Well, and that's what bargaining is. Unfortunately, it's false hope. Yeah. Yep. It's you trying to find hope that's not there. Yep. And the, the, you, they talked about some of the POWs in, in past wars, and they did some uh, research on which ones fared better of the POWs. And the POWs in these POW camps, the ones that were telling themselves, oh, I'll be out of here by Easter. Oh, I'll be out of here by the 4th of July. Oh, I'll be out of here by Thanksgiving. Oh, I'll be out of here by Christmas. Those are the, those are the people who lost, who didn't fare very strongly emotionally because they kept setting themselves up for failure. Mm-hmm. They kept playing this bargaining game and kept playing this game in their head of giving themselves this false hope or playing this game of bargaining. But the people that said, you know what? This may never change. I may spend the rest of my life here. And they're the ones who fared better psychologically because they kind of skipped ahead to that point of acceptance of this is my reality. This is where I'm at. And today I have the function of my arms. I have the function of everything to my belly button. And I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got. And that is my reality today. And, you know, everyone's trauma is different. Everybody's got a different scenario. But but really getting down to what is my reality and what can I do with it yeah. and how can I leverage it? And, and it's real easy to, in this stage, get in this cycle of bargaining and guilt and bargaining and guilt. And it's really just like a tornado that keeps picking up, p- picking up debris and gaining energy and gaining energy and becomes more and more and more destructive. And I think it creates a greater depression afterwards. Yeah. And another analogy that I'm going to just kind of hop in here and put in there is like, you could be going down your own rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> was that a pun that I missed? Oh, it was a pun. <laughs> Shows <laughs> no, how good no, that one was. I didn't even hear it. It's a good analogy. So we're going to stick with it. But that it's this rabbit hole that you can keep going down and keep right, digging, right, keep right, digging, right. keep digging, keep digging, keep oh, digging. I see what you did there. Yep. And you don't, you, you're not finding what you're looking for. Right. And 
like you said, the longer you go, the harder it is. And yep. so I guess if we could just encourage you because we've gone through it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you might be in the what if stage right now in the circumstance that you're facing. Know that it's good to, to do the what ifs because it, you're processing. But know that the what if stage is going to have to come to an end because mm-hmm. there's no real good answer for you. Yeah. There's no answer to that solution to go back. You can't go back to what's already happened. And that's the sad part of it all which leads you very quickly into depression. Not saying that you're going to be going into it if you're in what if stage. Like we said, you can skip things because the next one is acceptance. But for our next episode, I definitely went into depression, which we will definitely be talking mm-hmm. and, and Johnny did as well. But that note, just to recognize what stage you're in, is it can be helpful. Yeah. And like we've talked in the past episodes that, a counselor really can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Help you see what stage you're in and help guide you through it. Not push you through faster than you need to, but help kind of like bring a little reality to you. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's healthy and good and to be honest about all that you're thinking. Every what if. It's okay to say it out loud because as I know many of you know, it lessens that power inside you if you're willing to say it out loud. Yeah, and bringing it to the light, you know, nothing good happens at the dark. Nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens at, in the dark. And and, the, and when things are buried and covered, they just tend to fester and grow. And I, I keep thinking back to episode two when we talked about community mm. and the importance of having that community around you to be there for you, to help you stay grounded in reality mm-hmm. and to help guide your thoughts in those moments of help break you out of those cycles to bring some hope to your life. Cause sometimes we get our head down, we get focused on, on, uh, on the trauma itself. And sometimes we need community in front of us to help lift our heads up and see the horizon and then help cast some vision and some hope into our lives of where, where we could be. Yeah. Absolutely. It's something else that came into my mind was right before we started this podcast, John and I actually just shared with each other two what ifs that happened like a week ago to ourselves, just to show you that we've actually gotten to acceptance, which we'll get to in the other episode. Mm -hmm. But even though we've gotten to acceptance, it doesn't mean we still sometimes have those what ifs come in. Yep. Um, I was our, our daughter's drapes. Thank you. Drapes, (laughs) drapes had fallen down. Um, because they're kids and they pull on them and they come out of the wall. So Johnny can't stand that tall. So I have to be the one to do that and drill. And I'm just not as strong as he is. So I get frustrated and trying to do the drill. And yeah, and I'm sitting here all guilty. Like all I can do is hand you the tools and encourage you. But I'm thinking, you know, if I, if I just wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have done that that day, I'd be able to help her right now in this. And, and I went, started down that hole of guilt and started tunneling my way down. And, you know, and the farther out we get, you know, it's been 11 years now, gradually getting better at breaking those cycles sooner yeah. and sooner. But it doesn't mean it doesn't start to creep in every now and then. Yeah. I like, still find I myself. the same thing. What if he could stand, he could do this and, yeah. and it'd get done a lot faster than yeah. what I'm doing. Right now. Yeah, and you even talked about sometimes you see other wives and their husbands 
and seeing their husbands do things for them. And you're thinking, don't take that for granted. Yeah. You should be grateful that your husband can do that for you. Yeah, I feel bad. It does make me mad sometimes when I see a wife, like, carrying in, like, a tiny thing and her husband's carrying everything else in. I'm like, help him out. Like, you can carry stuff. Right. And then I, I'm sitting there like, man, I wish I could carry everything and let my wife just carry her purse. <laughs> like, like I, I'm living vicariously through her husband and Meredith is sitting there thinking, help him out. Jeez, you should be grateful that your husband can do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, it's, it's, it's incredible. But it it's just shows how easy these thoughts and this stage can creep up. This one can really sneak out and creep in. Yeah, because it can almost be, well, I'm just asking questions. And right. It's like, come on. Like, you, you're right, you are asking questions, but they're hard ones that don't have solutions that can lead you to be mad or yeah. sad. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for the day. Sounds good. Do you have anything else to share with, the, with our audience? I guess I just always want to leave you guys encouraged. I hope, I really hope, and my prayer for this is that you guys feel encouraged. You feel like, I'm not alone. You're yeah. not alone. Guys, we all have trauma in our life. Big, small, whatever size you want to call it. Um, know that we all have to face this world that is broken. And so when you live in a world world of brokenness, you're going to get hit by some of that brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so know that if you have already persevered, that's awesome. You know that when the next thing comes, you're going to be able to persevere through that. But that it's so important to know these stages as you're facing things that are, like we said, Mm life-changing. So that you can help yourself grow and heal and move forward and not get stuck in these rabbit holes or in the the twisters that can happen. Yeah, and I'm going to sound really hypocritical here because I am not a journaler. But the other day I really, I I felt a feeling of regret wishing I would have journaled more. Mm. And I wish I would have kept a record of, you know, today I felt this. Today, I felt this. And you could track those feelings and track, you know, today, I felt guilt. Today, I, I found myself bargaining. Today, I, I felt anger. Today, I felt depressed. And just being able to track those feelings and, and, and identify it. You put it on paper. It's real. It's, tr- it's your truth in that moment. This is how I feel. And th- that's your truth in that moment. And that's, and that's your true feeling. And, and I feel like writing it down. Um, validates it and now you've written it down you put it on paper and now we can move on I think that's great because I think it puts words to what you're feeling which is what counseling does which is what accountability does yep and I think if you can do that for yourself and own it it makes it even stronger for you yeah absolutely yeah so we really encourage that too so um, on that note we really appreciate you joining us today on the Mordinary Podcast, and we really encourage you to share this with a friend that you think it'd be helpful to. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you use. We'd love to hear from you at mordinarypodcast at gmail.com. And we're out.